0: Good morning, church, and good morning to those of you who are watching online, wherever that might be. We're probably about 150 different churches meeting all over Kerrville. Uh, today we've got uh, quite a few of our folks not able to be present, and for those of you who are not present, we just want you to know you are uh, extremely missed. Um, I want you to know this morning that we are one day closer to seeing Jesus' face, and I am pumped. I mean that. I wish for your sakes I could be more upbeat about that than I often am. And I'm hoping to do better with that and living out that truth in the future. Because if my time away in the mountains has renewed any truth in my life, it is a reality I am just days away from seeing Jesus. I'm days away from seeing the one who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. I'm days away from seeing the one with my own eyes that I have only known by faith, but soon, one day by sight. I can hardly wait. Now, even for a church that I know believes that, that may sound a little bit strange, causing some people to think, well, has Jimmy found out he has cancer and does he have months to live? Some of you are laughing, why is that funny? No, that's not why. Some of you are thinking, did he get an elk tagged in New Mexico? That's why he's so high about this. No. Some of you are thinking, will you take a little detour up to Colorado and get something uh, legal up there now to smoke? No. Honestly, it's just the living hope uh, that was uncovered again for me while I was away and had been blocked out by some dead hopes that I've been carrying around. If any of what I said sounds strange, the Apostle Peter would say, as we do in Texas, yep, that's because in this world it is strange. And it is. And after we pray for one of our cousin churches here in the area who also believes Jesus is coming soon, we're going to get started on a new series of lessons that I'm calling Strangers in a Strange Land. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the joy in this room this morning. Uh, Brothers and sisters, just needed to be together and needed to sing those songs of praise to you. And we pray that you've received them with the joy that we've tried to offer them with. Uh, We realize we're not the only group of believers that are uh, in the midst of this coronavirus still trying, wanting to, desiring to be together. Um, And so we're here. We're also... Mindful of Faith Christian Church, who's also attempting to um, offer services to you today, a time of combined worship where we could let you to know, uh, we're just thrilled that you're our God and thrilled to be your people. So would you bless them, as we're hoping you'll bless us with the presence of your Spirit, uh, with the power of your Word, and with the purpose of enabling us to be one in a way that we couldn't be on our own, uh, that we would leave here Sharing the Jesus that we have fallen in love with, with a world who might uh, care to know about it. We ask all this in Jesus' name and everyone's said. There are some strange things in our world. In January in 2012, in a small Arkansas town, the folks there witnessed this unexpected phenomenon. Over 5,000 blackbirds began dropping out of the sky for no apparent reason. Uh, This happened in the early hours of that new year. And even stranger, listen to me, this was the second year in a row it happened on the very same day. On the same day that I'm talking about in 2012, a strange wave of clouds, almost like a tidal wave, covered the shore of Panama City Beach. Nobody could explain why. That's strange. On the same day in Libya, a desert area... That town received three to four inches of snow, and the BBC called it an utterly rare occurrence. Now, that's strange. Now, maybe even stranger still, it is rumored that on the same day, Clark Sayer was born. Now, we know that's not true, because that would mean he would be a six-foot-five, eight-year-old working for us, and that's not true. But the boy is strange. Turn to your neighbor and say, the boy is strange. Strange. And we love him for it, don't we? Oh, my goodness, the energy and enthusiasm that he has brought to our kids, especially during a difficult time. I mean, he took that baton from Renee, who helped us launch an incredible children's ministry here, and the boy is running with it. And we love him, Uh, especially in the office. He's brought some technical stuff to our staff, beyond just his gifts as far as a children's minister, uh, that have enabled, literally, the, the showing of this video to those who are at home right now. So many gifts in the town. And he's not here this weekend, so I can say anything I want to about him. Actually, he's the one who shot me those photos. That's how strange he is. <laughs> oh, what a great guy. The boy is odd for God, and Peter would be proud. When Peter says strange, I want you to know that he means more than just some weird phenomena that involves birds or beaches or deserts or even a six foot five children's ministry. When Peter pens this letter that we know as 1 Peter, several times in it he uses the word to describe Christians in this world, listen to me, as strangers. Not just Christians in that day or in that age, but in any day or in any age. And here's what he says in his opening lines of the book, chapter 1.1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and in Kerrville. Chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, your real home is not here on earth. Let me say that again. Your real home is not here on earth. You are strangers here. Now that Greek word that he uses there is peripodemos. It means those who are aliens. Those who are exiles. Go ahead, next slide. Those who are strangers. Now, we're familiar with what strangers are. Uh, when someone maybe has said to you, you're not from around here, are you? That's because they think you're a little bit strange, maybe, for sure. But most likely, you're just a stranger. Say the word strangers for me. Strangers. One more time. Strangers. That's who you are. If you're in Christ and you're in this world. It says what Peter wants us to know. Now, this is a descriptor and a metaphor that Peter wants to place in the minds of all Christians, not just in the region that he's writing to, but also to the Christians in this region, in large part because they were experiencing suffering at the moment they didn't understand. And Peter wants them to know that it's because they are strangers, say it one more time, strangers that this is happening to them. In 1 Peter 4, he's going to say to his church family scattered in the region, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you as to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Now I want you to remember that. These are Spirit-led, Jesus-followers, just like many of you. And like us, when they experienced suffering in their lives, it took them a little bit by surprise. Because just like those of us who think that because we're on Team Jesus, life is going to be easier or better for us here, they did too. Better jobs, better homes, greater kids, more fulfilling marriages, secure retirements, less acne than most teenagers, and less wrinkles than most geezers. Well, we hope for that. Even in spite of the fact that Jesus said in John 16, in this world you're going to have many problems, disciples. Even though he says through the Spirit, through Paul, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will what? What's it say there? Oh, we don't like that. We think it's strange when we do, because we're on team Jesus. Even though he's tried to say, even because you're on my team, tough times are coming. We're surprised when that happens. Maybe you're surprised. Maybe those that are listening to us at home are surprised. And maybe you're thinking thoughts like this this week. God, I love you. (laughs) And I'm trying here to serve you, to be what you've asked me to be, but you're allowing this to be in my life? Really? I don't get it. Well, I want you to know your brother Jimmy does. The one who defeated the grave and who helped God create the world, the Scripture says, lives in us. We've got His Word on that. And with that kind of person and power so close, we would think nothing bad or hurtful or difficult or tragic would happen to any of us. That, I think, would be normal. But we'd be wrong. That's why God's got to reveal something to us so that we don't walk through this world disillusioned and confused. Because, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when you stepped into the family of God, you became a stranger. Say stranger. Strangers. That's who you are. At least at this place called earth. And just as it brought much suffering to Jesus, He sent me to remind you, it will to you too. Yes, there's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control, because His Spirit's within us, and, and that's going to come out of us if it's allowed to, if He's allowed to. But suffering's going to come, regardless on what part of the globe you're scattered to. Now, did you know there is no book in our Bible that uses the word suffering more than this little four-chapter book of First Peter? Nineteen times in this little book, you could read it about seven and a half minutes, he mentions suffering connected to those who are either Jesus' followers or Jesus himself. Because they were suffering. And they could connect with it. And some of you walked in here this morning and you're suffering. And I think you'll connect with it too. Now when I say suffering, I'm not talking about the champagne kind that most of us put under the category of suffering. I'm not going to even list some of the champagne things that we think we're suffering for because it may humiliate me and embarrass me like it might you. These folks were suffering because of the name of Christ. A guy by the name of Nero was on the throne in Rome. And he seemed to to get this kind of devilish pleasure from giving Christians a hard time he would gather them up on occasion and he would wrap them in animal skins, put them in the arena and let the lions eat them. He would take them and literally dip them in tar, put them up on post and use them as lights when he put fire to them for his garden parties. He actually, historians believe, was responsible for setting Rome on fire so that he could blame the Christians for it. Now that man's demented. And he loved aiming that towards Christians. They were suffering. Why? Two reasons Peter's going to say. Here's number one. He's going to say to the folks there in Cappadocia, in Bithynia, and Galatia, you're not greater than Jesus. If God and Abad suffered while he was here living among similar conditions and among similar humans, how in the world can we Expect different when God's in our body. Peter reminds us, you can expect different. Now, I know that there are preachers and teachers who are going to say, if you put your faith in Jesus, life will be cotton candy and rainbows. And I'm here to tell you, that isn't in the Bible, it's baloney. They will take your money and they will break your heart. And God's word says that's simply not true. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, here's what his word says. A person might have to suffer even when it's unfair here. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. See, not an accident. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. Peter's going to write this. For it is better if God's will It is better if it is God's will for you to suffer for doing good than doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So, Jim, are you telling me that if I live for this Savior, I might have to suffer? Absolutely. In a nutshell. If you choose to give Jesus Christ your heart and to live with Him as your Lord, yes, yes you will suffer. That's not easy to hear. If anybody understands trying to do your best for God and suffering for it till it costs you, listen to me, it's Jesus though. If anybody understands you faithfully studying God's Word and giving to the poor and teaching in the nursery on Sunday and yet being asked to give birth to a baby with Down syndrome or worse, being asked to give birth to a stillborn child the pain and the heartache that comes with that, I want you to know, if anybody understands that, Jesus does. If anybody understands offering the best of your life and yet having to deal with the worst that life can throw at you, Jesus does. He lived a life in obedience to God that was bar none perfect. And yet in his life, he experienced the uncalled for betrayal of a friend, the unnecessary pain to his body, being sold out because of another friend's greed, being lied about, plotted against, having plans altered at the very last minute, having someone spit in his face try to ruin his reputation, prayers answered but not the way he wanted, even completely feeling abandoned by God. Remember these words? My God, my God, have you forsaken me? Why? Peter says because he was a stranger here. When I travel to Bazooka, Ghana, I'm a stranger there. Welcomed, but I'm a stranger. Uh, when I travel to Mexico, I'm welcome there, but I'm a stranger. When I travel to an Aggies home, like Victor Cummings, I'm welcome, but this Longhorn's a stranger there. When Jesus came, we welcomed him, but he was a stranger here nonetheless. Can I remind you, he wasn't meant to inhabit a broken planet in a God-designed human suit. Now, he chose that because you needed him to. He chose that because you needed rescuing, and nothing was going to keep you out of his heaven if he had anything to do with it. But he came to a broken planet, and he lived in a God-designed human suit, just like you are. Now, don't get me wrong, this world has some amazing, wondrous stuff. But nonetheless, it's broken. So broken, in fact, that not only are human beings groaning about it, but the creation around us is too. Read this from God's Word, Romans 8. For all creation is waiting patiently and hopefully for that future day when God's going to resurrect His children. We know that even the things of nature, like animals and plants, suffer in sickness and death as they wait for this great event. Even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from this pain and suffering. Jim, you mean to tell me that the seas and the trees are groaning? Yes. That's a revelation to many out there in the world that don't know God. But yes. Peter adds, <laughs> I don't even want to tell you, I don't want to say this. But in chapter four of this letter, he's going to say, and despite suffering from people and situations in this world, there is this malevolent evil. His name is Satan. And he's like a roaring lion seeking someone in your family to devour every day. We're not talking a cat with a mouse. We're talking about a lion looking for prey. Now put all that together. <laughs> Do we really have to, Jim? Yeah. Put all that together. Could that make for some tough moments in a day? Could that make for some tough months in a year? Could that make for some tough years connected? Peter says, don't think it strange when it happens to you. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Jimmy, thanks a lot. I'm glad I brought a visitor. Some of you are thinking, now that's why I stayed home because I can turn this off. I can't turn him off there. If you look in your bulletins, you'll see the title of this lesson is what? Someone shout out the word. Hope. Hope. Really? Yeah. If you've got one of the little kids' bulletins, uh, it's got the definition of hope right there on the front cover. It says, the certain expectation of something good happening. I want you to leave here today with a certain expectation of, of something good happening. I don't care with what suffering you may have walked in, but I want you to walk out of here with the certain expectation of something good happening, and that is you are just days away from seeing Jesus. (laughs) You're just days away from seeing him. If you put your hope in anything else in this world, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Sorry, you are... Because nothing in this world can deliver what he can deliver. Not a house, not a marriage, not your health, not a degree, not a job, not a child, not a test result, not a vacation, not an achievement, not a winning lottery ticket, not a piercing, not a trophy, not white teeth, not even an Oscar, not even a great church. Why? Because they're all temporary, they're all flawed. And friend, you weren't meant for temporary. You were meant for things eternal and perfect. I just had to remind you of that because I have a feeling, like me, you've forgotten some of that. So if you put your hope in something that's temporary, should it be really any wonder that your joy in it's just temporary? And most of your joy in the things that you have thought you just had to have was just that? days, I just, I knew when I was living in Ruedo, I, I just needed God. If you would help me kill a 350 bull with my bow, oh, the guys in our church and the people in our community would just think, stud preacher, dude. You know what? I did. A 383 bull hanging right now in the Y.O. here. I wanted another. (laughs) And another. And another. That bull didn't satisfy me. It was temporary because it's temporary. Uh, Just a song. Some of you right now have a favorite song that you've got on repeat on your your phone. i got a favorite song. Uh, We the Kingdom. um, Holy Water has been my favorite song about the last couple of months. Well, it's starting to fade. Now I've got a new one. He is worthy. It's a great song. And you know what? In three more months, I'll have another one because they're Temporary. And so it can only bring me temporary joy in this temporary place. Are, are we tracking here, church? Say strangers. Because that's who you are. Now, I hope this doesn't sound strange because it's what the Word's been trying to teach us all these years, but you know what? I had to be reminded with some time on the mountain. And I hope maybe I can help remind you. Absolutely certain that something good is going to happen. That's what hope is. So let me give you some. First Peter 1. Verse 3, praise be to the God and the Father by our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Oh, there you go. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Fred, if you walked in here today and you feel a little hopeless, I can tell you why. You may not want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Is because you've placed your hope in something other than a living Christ. Take it from someone who preaches about Him week in and week out. I do that. I can say Jesus' words without keeping Him as my ultimate hope in my life. How about you? This is a Jesus who's willing to breathe new life into you, this is a Jesus who's willing to prepare you for a place where you will live with Him forever if you're willing. But if your hope is in anything other than that, listen to me. Here's what the word says. It'll be destroyed, spoiled, or lose its beauty. Guaranteed. Minimally, you're going to be disappointed. And if you're disappointed in it long enough, you're going to become depressed. And listen to me. If you're depressed long enough, you'll want to not just settle for life. You'll want to take it. Suicide has increased 24% since 2004 in this country. Twenty-four percent. Now, in most studies, that would be called an epidemic of its own. With all the stuff we have going for us, the technology, the medicine, in America especially, the, the protection we have because of our army and because of fill-in-the-blank, we're taking our lives, at a degree, 24% more than we did in 2004. Really? Because our hope isn't something that's not living. It's in something that's temporary. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some great things about this world. Jesus enjoyed himself while he was here. And I hope you enjoy some of the things that, that God's placed in your life right now. And if you walked in here this morning, and I'm, I'm not apologizing for this, but if you're not hopeless at all, yay, God, for you. Great moment. Enjoy it. Make a snow angel in it. But it's going to pass. Because we're in a war zone here. We've got this lion out there who's working on us. We've got this broken world around us. It's not going to last long, but enjoy it while it's here. God would hope you would. Jesus did. He, he went to a, a wedding one time, and it was a, such a great wedding, and he was having such a good time with the boys that, uh, um, man, when they ran out of wine, he took some water, turned it into wine to keep a good party going. One time he was so overjoyed when this, a guy not even from his own church, a guy they really weren't supposed to spend a lot of time with at all, came to him and said, would you heal my servant? And he said, yes, I will. He started to leave to go help heal him. And he said to him, "Uh, you don't even have to come. I give orders to soldiers, and they just do what I ask. If you'll just give the word, I know my servant will be healed. Oh, my goodness, he grinned ear to ear in that moment. Another moment. A lady whom he had offered acceptance and forgiveness to um, just went all outlandish here. I'm telling you, she, she, in a public dinner, comes up to him, takes his feet, washes them with her tears, takes her life savings out of a bottle, pours it all over his feet just to show her appreciation for him. Who wouldn't be moved by that moment? I promise you, Jesus was. He loved sunrises and a well-told joke. He loved the first day of fall, a good swim. He loved the closeness of a good friend. He loved worshiping with other believers who loved to come together and read His Word and sing songs to His Father. He loved Jewish festivals. He's the one who arranged for them in the first place. But His hope was in none of them. None of that. His hope was in the Father who created all that, though. And He couldn't wait to get back home to it. Mission accomplished. That's where you belong. He wasn't from around here. (laughs) Such a stranger that at times the world didn't know what to do with him. Uh, They weren't very hospitable to him. They they weren't very accepting of him. They weren't very fair to him. And neither will they be to you, is what Peter asked me to share with you today. We um, (laughs) just got back from our famcation. And it was an absolute blast. And you just—you'll go through these pretty, probably quite quick. Put the next one up. Huh? Yeah. And I, as I warned before I left, you know, when we, we were headed up to the cabin in Rudoso, um, that Gail's mom made possible for us. And um, it needs a lot of work. And so you're seeing the, the, the total amount of furniture in that in that whole cabin. Um, there are some beds that are back in the bedrooms and stuff. But I mean, we're glamping. That's glamour camping for those of you who don't know the the word that the kids are using. now. That's glamping. Um, we've got some baths. We've got a place to cook some food, uh, but it's minimal. We, we caught fish. Next slide. We, we did some hiking in the mountains, had an absolute time. We, we played games. We, we, we did our quiet times out on the, on the, on the back deck with a, a cup of coffee in 58-degree weather. Next slide. But most of the time, what Gil and I did were be grandparents. I mean, we are just beaming there because we were beaming most of those four days. It was just an absolute joy most of the time. You can tell what we're holding uh, are just little blessings. Most of the time. We gave our kids uh, some dates. We said, just go out and Rudoso gave them a little cash and said, you guys have some quiet time. Uh, the oldest of those babies is uh, six months old. The youngest that you see that Gail's holding right there is three months old. That's little Abby. Now, when, when uh, Lauren and Tyler left and went out, uh, they put Nora down. She never woke up. Man, that was cheesecake. When Travis and Tabitha went out, not so much. Bless little Abby's heart. For the three months that she's been in this world, she's had trouble with her digestive tract. When she's not sleeping, she's usually wailing. I'm not saying crying. I mean wailing. Wailing. That's tough not only on a grandpa's heart, that's tough on a mom's heart. And of both of our sets of kids, they desperately needed a date that night. But I'm telling you, it wasn't long after they walked out the door, little Abby woke up and she was wailing. And that smile on Gail's face right there is that for the moment, she's sleeping. (laughs) And it was Wonderful. wonderful. And we were glad to give Tabitha and Travis a little bit of a break. They're working on some things right now to figure out what all's going on there. Things that maybe Tabitha's eating, maybe getting her off nursing on the formula. That's details. Wailing's going to come. Most of that vacation was just amazing with those grandkids and those kids and then that, that, I love the mountains. But the wailing came and it was hard on all of us. And it's so hard to watch a grandpa watch his little girl struggle with fatigue and just not knowing how to fix it. And when I got home, it wasn't there, but when I got home, God said, Would you please let the church know, I see you're wailing. See? Some of you are wailing because of some stuff you're putting in your system. Some of it's just because you're living in a broken world. And God sees your wailing. And you know that's what he wants to do with you. He wants to put his comforter inside you. And he wants to surround you with the comfort of the church that'll help hold you if you'll let him. But this is the end of the story. (laughs) He's coming back! Oh my goodness, and it was so good to get reminded of that this week. And I have just, asked Gail, been a different person this week. He's coming back. I am just days away from seeing him face to face. Either because he returns to this world or he takes me out of it. And I don't care which one it is. I don't. Because my living hope is in him. And I hope yours is too. That wailing that night wasn't wasted. That's the last thing I want to say about this particular point in this message. We're almost home. I want you to understand the wailing that you experience, the hurts, the difficulty, the frustrations that some maybe at home are experiencing, it's not wasted. James says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges, when wailing comes to you from all sides... You know that under pressure, your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well developed, not deficient in any way. You mean a wailing baby can, can do something to my faith? Yes, it did. It did. It helped me to, to connect with some of the wailing going on here in our church family. Yes. It helped me understand that that this is still temporary. As temporary as sometimes all it took just getting that baby close and, and swaddling her and getting her fed and the wailing stopped for a while. But she's not home yet either. Jesus had to experience things that made Him wail. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, While Jesus was here on earth, He offered prayers and pleadings and loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue Him from death, to the one who would listen to Him above all other people. And God heard His prayers because of His deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's Son, He still didn't answer all of His prayers. Take this cup from me, Father, He said in the garden. I'd rather not have to go down this path if there's a plan B. And God said, I'm sorry, this is the path. And he drank that cup of suffering. And there was wailing because of it. No, God was maturing Jesus. through suffering right up to the very end. And if this life is all that we have, shame on Him. Shame on Him if this is all that we have. But it's not. He says He's getting us ready for more life ahead of us than any of you have behind you. It's an eternal life. It's a never-ending life. And this is preparation for that life. Have you remembered that lately? I just got reminded. And I wanted to share it with you. Peter says what's going on is some refining. Like you would gold. Peter says pure gold in the fire comes out proved pure. Genuine faith put through suffering comes out proved genuine." When Jesus wraps all this up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of His victory. And I love that. And in this world, we just want more gold. And God says, no, what you need is more faith. And so the sufferings will come to maturity. Because God grew Jesus up through suffering. He will grow you up through it too. Here's a quick last point. You're not greater than Jesus and you're not home yet. You're not. It doesn't take a wise person to know that people long for more than earth but the wisest man in the world says this in Ecclesiastes. God has painted eternity in the hearts of men. God put the thoughts of there being more in the hearts of men. And even though that there may not be a room full of just believers here, if you're here this morning and you're still just kind of, I don't know about this Christian thing. I'm not sure about this God thing. I get it. I get it. But you felt it. When we see pain, we yearn for something else. When we see hunger, we question why. When we see senseless deaths and endless tears and needless loss, it causes us to wonder two things. Where do they come from? And where will they lead? Well, this will help with the answer. It's a picture Next time you're fishing, we got to do a little bit of this. Take a fish and just place him on the shore. And what you're going to see is his gills gasping for air and his body beginning to dry out. Is he happy? <laughs> no. What could make him happy? Here's a couple of ideas. Cover him in cash. Give him a beach chair and some sunglasses. Bring him a play fish magazine and a martini. Buy him a new wardrobe replete with double-breasted fins and people-skinned shoes. You say, well, Jimmy, that's strange. Yeah, and it's nonsense. How do you make him happy? You put him back in the element he was created for. That's how you make him happy. Because he's never going to be happy on the shore because he wasn't made for the shore. And friend, you are never going to be completely happy. On this earth, because you weren't made for temporary things. You were made for eternal things. You were made for perfect things. You were made to live in the very presence of God, which can't take place here fully because it's filled with sin and it's filled with brokenness. And one day, the end of the book promises He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and all that changes. But until then, it's going to be a little strange here for those of us who are trying to follow. But I'm asking you to follow. Because what's coming? <laughs> no eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has... Con- nobody can can think about how good this place is going to get. And this is where I'm going to end. First 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul just simply says this, is this place that the preachers talk about and the Word speaks of, Called heaven. No one has imagined what God's prepared for those who love Him. Now that, that stuns me. Because I got a pretty active imagination. I know it really stuns the imagination in our staff, and that's Clark. But you try today. You try to get away sometime and, and maybe when you think of heaven, you think of, of peace. I just I just want a place where it's just peace. Then you think of the most tranquil situation, the circumstances, and you just you think about that for, for a while. And, and maybe for you, if, if heaven is more joy, things that, you think of the things that bring you the highest joy in this world, and, and it's just full of that. Will you think of that. Or maybe for you, it's just love. I mean, you've experienced love on, in momentary ways. It's just stunning. Will you think of heaven that way. Just love. You, you give all your heart, your, th- your thinking, some serious time to it. And here's what God says, not even close. No matter what you think it could be like and you've got some vivid imaginations not even close. And I love that. And to think of all the songs that have been written about heaven and all the paintings painted about heaven and all the books written about heaven and all the poems given to heaven. When it comes to describing heaven with all of that happy failure, God says it's beyond you. And I share all of that for one reason. To give. You hope, hope, living hope that you're one day closer to tasting and making a snow angel in the very presence of God. Now, as long as he leaves you here, please be a little bit more realistic. Lower your expectations of earth, would you? Please? Please? This is not heaven, so don't expect it to be. Uh, There will never be a newscast with no bad news. There will never be a church with no gossip or competition. There will never be a new car, new wife, new baby who can give you joy that your heart craves. So lower your expectations. Number two, lean into His promises. I'm going to prepare a place for you, He said, just before He left. And if I go, I will come back and take you where I am also. Lean into that promise. I promise I will never forsake you or leave you, no matter what suffering you go through. Lean into that promise. I promise, he said, nothing, angels, demons, the present, the future, height, their depth, nothing in all of creation will separate you from me and my love for you. Lean into those promises. And then lastly, linger often with those who share your hope. That's what you're doing today. Don't let anything get in the way of that. I know with things going on in our country right now, with the viruses and even with the, uh, the revisiting of, of racism and what it's caused as far as our whole nation living with that thing for the last couple of hundred years, all of this is—it sometimes just drives you just want to just get away from everybody. Don't let it do that. That's just a, that's a plot of the evil one. You stay connected, especially with those who share your hope. Now, if you do that, if you you lower your expectations of earth, if you lean into God's promises, and if you make lingering with those who have your hope often, there may be folks who look at you and say, they're strange. And we are. And Jesus says this, all you strangers, you're almost home. Father, we love you. Thanks for the promise. But while we wait here for that promise to be fulfilled, either you taking us home or you coming here and recreating this place for a permanent home. We've got some folks who are wailing. Husbands that are in the hospital that no one can see. Cancer that seems irreversible. There's just some difficult things that we and our family are dealing with. There's some suffering. And so I'm just praying this morning, God, that some way, somehow, that this message and this family can be part of your hope, life preserver, until you come, until you rescue us fully and completely. Thank you. Thank you that you offer yourself to us. You didn't have to. You didn't have to come rescue us. (laughs) <laughs> we made the choices. It was our bed. We, we should have been left to lie in it, but you didn't. You came and you picked us up. And you've held us close. And You keep assuring us to hang on, keep trusting, keep walking, keep believing, keep loving. But we need you to come. Like the early church, we're praying, Maranatha, Lord, come. And help us, in the meantime, to reach out to any and everyone who will just give us a minute to tell why we have this hope in us. We promise to do our best to share. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said. In a moment we're going to stand and sing a song. You're my all in all. The chance to renew that as true. I did this last week. Trying to live that out in a way that I, maybe I hadn't in had a while. Other things had kind of vied for first place of my living hope. In this song, if you haven't already this morning, I want to invite you to recommit that to Christ. And if you're here this morning, and that's, and the only thing that's been your hope in this world has been the stuff of this world, it hasn't been God, it hasn't been Jesus Christ who gave his life on you, that God raised from the dead so that you could have hope that you would never have to fear death. If you'd like to place your hope in him today and you haven't done that, come find me, okay? I'll be right down here at the front. But let's all be standing. Let's be singing, You're my all in all. Let's sing, church.